This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. And a pleasant good afternoon to you here on Friday, October 24, 2014, One-on-One's NFL Friday, back for Week 8. Kenny Ducey, across from Pat Burns, Terrence Slajewski, Alicia Montanaro in the back helping out. And Luke Palmer will be on fantasy football a little bit later on. Big game last night, Pat. The Absolutely. AFC West saw a little action there. The Chargers almost made that late comeback. Phil Rivers with the pick. Broncos win 35-21. They are now 6-1. and Peyton Manning, though, some weird comments after the game. Yeah, the this whole thing with the, the scoreboard operator... Um, you know, went off a little bit on it in his press conference after the game. I guess they showed Philip Rivers on the sideline on the jumbotron, um, and then cut to Peyton Manning. Obviously, boos from the crowd for Rivers, uh, cheers subsequently for Manning. And Manning just thought it was kind of disrespectful, I guess, and uh, said I think even that he needed to was going to have a talk with the scoreboard operator. Kind of some interesting comments, especially after a big division win like that. Uh. Just seemed like a little bit of overkill. I thought. I mean, it's it's Peyton Manning. Um, that was classy of him to do. I think. I think that he maybe has been there before. Uh, didn't want to see that happen to an opposing quarterback. I respect uh, what he had to say. And fair enough. Um, I, I think he does have a little basis. I think that sometimes the scoreboard operators in any sport can go a little overboard with stuff like that. But you know, especially when they. You know they're trying to incite a riot in the crowd uh, like that, but but yeah. in the game itself, Phil Rivers really good again. Thirty for forty-one, two hundred fifty-two yards, three touchdowns. Did have those two picks. Uh, they did not run the ball uh, very effectively at all for most of the game. Phil right. Rivers was the leading rusher. He had one seventeen-yard <laughs> run. Uh, Brandon Oliver shut down, stymied, and Keenan Allen finally showed up. I mean, that's the weirdest one of the weirdest things about this season. It's Keenan Allen. A guy, the Chargers, you know, they were five and two coming into this game, um, throwing the ball really well. Phil Rivers looks like a new guy, one of the best passing you know, MVP seasons caliber he's had, year, really. and Keenan Allen really nowhere to be found. But he does have those nine catches for seventy three and a touchdown last night. But just kind of weird the disappearing act that we've seen with Keenan Allen. Yeah, and I mean, getting back to the passing attack in general, I mean, just a complete rejuvenation. I think over the past two years for Philip Rivers. Uh, ever since you know Mike McCoy came in and and became the head coach there, you know I was I was expecting I think a little bit closer of a game, um, a bit more back and forth. I I really wanted to see if San Diego's offense was for real, if they could hang with a team like Denver. You know they made it a little bit closer at the end, but you know a game like that shows me that they're still a little bit of a ways away. I mean, I, I guess they just had the two turnovers and their defense, you know, didn't force any. Broncos are a tough team to beat, and um, certainly at look, home. I mean, the Chargers. The Chargers have had some big wins this year, and they're going to be a playoff team. Absolutely, and the Broncos will also be a playoff team. And I mean, it's you, know, you look at the AFC right now, and it's it's I don't as good as Baltimore is, and we'll talk about that with Spiro Didis, our guest, in a little bit. I don't know if the, I really trust them as as a an AFC power. Indianapolis, yeah, five and two, but. Still a young team. Yeah, I don't know if I if I like Andrew Luck in his sophomore year to be or third year now to be like I, I don't. He's taking that next step, but 
Uh, it's it's what is it's the third year, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not too tired to remember that. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. There are some doubts there. I don't know if Ahmad Bradshaw is going to hold up the whole year. I don't think they can run the ball. De- it's I think it's Denver and San Diego, and then there's just a lot of I mean New England obviously too, and I mean there's just some a lot of teams that could sprout up. Like yeah. Cincinnati is still kind of in the mix, three two and one. Can't forget about that tie and yeah, Buffalo. The tie makes and things interesting. There are a lot of these teams that could you know kind of come out of the woodworks and and make a run for the playoffs. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you. I mean it's it's clear obviously now as we hit week eight here that Denver's the class of the AFC. I think we all pretty much expected that. Right. But, I mean, do you see one team that, you know, could potentially come up and challenge them? Because, I mean, it sounds like no. you don't. I don't. I don't think I do. You know, if if you look at it right now, if the playoffs were to start right now, Indianapolis would be that two seed getting that other bye. And we just talked about how they're still young. You know, I mean, they've already lost to Denver once this year. I mean, you know, that to me is the the first team I would look at as, you know, the biggest threat. And to me, they're not there yet. So, I mean, I think this is Denver's, as of now, and again, it's still early, this is clearly Denver's conference to lose. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of unproven uh, guys that are playing big roles for a lot of these teams that I don't know, you know, whether it be young guys or uh, surprises. I mean, you know, is Baltimore going to be able to run like this all year with Justin Forsett? I'm not sure. Right. Steve Smith is very old. He's been playing well, but he's kind of seen a decline, uh, you know, over the last few weeks. Well, you and, see that breakdown over the course right, of a uh, long but, season. Uh, you know, that's, and then Brady, he's old. Um, you know, they just lost Ridley. Who knows if Vereen can, you know, st- step into a three every down back? Although I, I think he does, I think he does do it very well. Right. And he did against the Jets, and I think he'll be fine. But I mean, all of these teams, though, like you said, I mean, there's nothing as surefire as Denver right now. Uh, not even San Diego. They've lost three times now. They're no. five and three. Um, you, can, you look at Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh with a win this week, they're the same as San Diego right now. And honestly, with Le'Veon Bell, the way Roethlisberger's lost weight and he's been playing well this year, it's a big game against the Colts. If they win that right. game, I think they're the second best team. And I think records would show that too because Indianapolis would also be 6-3. and three. So and that it, could be the game of the week. Right, and Pittsburgh would be sitting there at 5-2. and two. Pittsburgh has surprised me this year. I thought they were really in for a down year, especially after... You know, the season they had last year, which was, you know, very much a disappointment. They were an older team. I know they got younger going into this year, but I think they were still maybe a year or two away from competing again, you know, still rebuilding, trying to transition. And they've, you know, I mean, they're sitting there at four and two. Like you said, a big home game against Indianapolis uh, this Sunday. You know, to me, that is a big opportunity for them to really reassert themselves in this conference because it's been a few years now since they've really you know, made some noise there, you know, and, you know, they've made the playoffs a couple times as a wild card team, but it's been a long time since they've, you know, won that division and, you know, really gotten deep in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they're a young team and, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people expected Pittsburgh to challenge for one of the best teams and he challenged to be one of the best teams in the AFC this year. And I think let alone in their own doing. division. I mean, it's just, it's not like the AFC is bad this year. It's just, there's so much parody um, that it's really hard to tell what's going to come out. You know, as for the NFC, Pat, not as much parity. I think there's no. there's some clear lines drawn that Dallas and Philly and Arizona, I think, are here to stay. Um, Green Bay as well, though five and two. I think they're a little bit better than their record. They've won four games in a row now. Detroit's in there too at five Detroit and two. They're actually well. leading that division right yeah. now with the tiebreaker over Green yep. Bay. And then you know, of course, you have San Francisco working in the balance. But I, I. I 
there are a lot more teams here that you can trust than uh, in the AFC. Although that NFC South division is very weird, very right weak. now. And, very, uh, very weak. Yeah, Carolina at, at the top three, three and one, and they New haven't Orleans even looks like trash. Yeah, at two and four, Carolina to me hasn't even really been all that impressive. You know, they were a team that was kind of slow out of the gate. Oh, of like course you not. Said, They've been bad. And like you said, New Orleans has you know really plummeted. Atlanta, you know. It, can't get off the ground. Yeah. I mean, the Saints playing the Packers. I think that's another loss. You know, you, you yeah. look. Um, you know, everywhere else you look, it's it, the Panthers are playing the Seahawks. The Vikings are playing the Buccaneers. Right, that's the North, but uh, or the Buccaneers are in there. But mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, and that's another interesting game too. The Panthers and the Seahawks this week because the yeah. Panthers they need a win in a bad way. Like we're saying, you know, they need to assert themselves as one of these. Uh, these powers in the NFC, they could do it. They're on top of the NFC South. They can make the playoffs. Um, it just, you know, their point differential is not very good right now, at, you know, at, at minus 37. Um, the New Orleans has played a lot closer games, but I don't know, we'll see um, what happens. That, that New Orleans game, too, I mean, we chalk it up to another loss to, to Green Bay, and that game's at home for New Orleans, a place where they you know, historically have been so dominant. And to go back to that Carolina game, I think it's just as important for Seattle. Seattle's sitting there at 3-3, three and three, you know, in a division that's even more competitive, I think, than we imagined it would be at the start of the season. And they lose this game to Carolina. They're sitting at 3-4, and four, you know, looking up at Arizona, which they are already, and, you know, trying to keep pace with San Francisco. It's certainly a moving week in the NFL. I think that we're going to have – it's going to be a lot more clear who's who's here to stay uh, after this week. But, I mean, you know, another game, the Lions and the Falcons in New, in, in England, not in New England. <laughs> you know, how is that going to affect both teams? I mean, both teams need a win. You know, the Falcons are still in the thick of it in the NFC South. The win puts them right there. I, I don't – the Lions just need to keep winning to be able to keep pace with Green Bay. So, yeah, I mean, there are so many interesting games this week that I think we're going to learn a lot this week, maybe more than any other week thus far. Now we welcome in Spiro Ditas, voice of the NFL on CBS. You can follow him on Twitter at Spiro Ditas, a WFUV alum, one of our good friends here. Spiro, uh, first off, the AFC North, you're out calling the Browns game this weekend. It's been interesting. You've seen a lot of it. And I'm curious, can the Browns hang in this AFC North? Well, you know, I mean, with the exception of last week, guys, they've looked pretty good. You know, they've, they've played well in the divisional games. Um, you know, they, they probably should have beat Baltimore in a game that, uh, that we actually had a chance to call here in week three. Um, they handled Pittsburgh uh, the second time around. They should, probably should have beaten them the first time, uh, week one, you know, when they were down at halftime big and then had that uh, frantic second-half comeback that just came up a little short. So, you know, with the exception of last week and with the exception of one or two other games, where they've been kind of so-so, they've looked good in the division. Now, I don't think this is the best division in the NFL, but in terms of uh, competition and the number of teams that are still in the race at this point, I I think it's, you know, it's not outlandish to say that this team could compete. Now, they don't have the track record of, say, Baltimore and, and, uh, you know, a Pittsburgh team that maybe has been a little bit down but has been there before, but they feel like they have enough here to compete for the division, there's no doubt. Uh, sticking in the AFC North and speaking of Baltimore, they lead that division right now at 5-2. and two. Do you see them being able to keep up what they've done over the course of the early part of this season, or do you think they'll drop off a little bit like they did towards the end of last season? 
Well, you know, we've had a chance to see Baltimore guys now three times this season, and I have to say the only thing that to me could derail them from winning that division, um, at least from what I've seen, is injuries. Uh, on paper, they are by far the most talented team in the, in the division. Uh, started a little bit slow. You know, the new offensive coordinator and Gary Kubiak, I think the, the – the belief was that it was going to take them a little bit of time to get accustomed to his system, and I think that's what we saw. But now, the last couple of weeks, I mean, we had them in Tampa two or three weeks ago. Where they, I mean, were, they were up thirty-eight nothing in that game early in the second quarter. When, when they have it figured out, there is deadly an offense that that there is certainly in that division and probably in the AFC, with the exception of Denver. Um, you know, maybe one or two other teams, but. Uh, the only thing that could prohibit them from winning that division as far as I'm concerned is injuries because Flacco's, he's got an array of weapons that he hasn't had for a couple of years. And as we all know, when you keep him upright and you give him a shot to get the ball down the field, you know, he's pretty good. Well, I mean, maybe maybe it's injuries. Maybe it's a, a guy falling off a little bit towards the end of the season. But two guys in particular, Steve Smith on that team and uh, Justin Forsett, do you believe in them staying the way, playing the way they are right now uh, for the rest of the year? Well, you know, Steve Smith, I, I think, deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing, guys. I mean, you look at his age, and you, you can go down the list of, of some of the great wide receivers in the history of the sport. Very few of the guys have remained productive at this stage of their careers. Uh, you know, 13, 14 years in, um, and when you look at his body frame, you think with the punishment that he's taken over the years that he would start to break down at this point, but... Uh, speaking to people in that organization, speaking to people on other teams around the league that we've talked to, you know, they're talking about Steve Smith like he's, you know, seven, eight years into his career. He's still playing like he's at the height of his, you know, physical gifts. Uh, Justin Forsett, to me, is the bigger surprise, to be honest with you. You know, they kind of picked him up as an afterthought uh, from Jacksonville, just hoping that he'd kind of bring up the rear. Um, you know, because keep in mind, before the whole Ray Rice scandal broke out, uh, before we knew what the suspension was going to be, the belief was that you know he'd serve his two-game suspension, then Rice would be the guy, Bernard Pierce after him, and maybe this kid, Taliaferro, who's been a pretty good rookie for him. Forsett was just basically an emergency back. And suddenly he's become their number one, and he's performed at a pretty high level. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it, your question, I think, is valid in that he, hasn't, he doesn't have the track record of being a guy that can be your workhorse over the course of a 16, 17-week season, but up to this point, he's been, I mean, he's been a hell of a pickup for him. Spiro, moving over to the Jets now, uh, they bring in Percy Harvin. We all know the talent he has on the field and how he can help the Jets on the field. Uh, but, you know, obviously there was a falling out in Seattle that, you know, led to him being traded. How do you see that kind of fitting into the Jets' locker room, you know, between Rex Ryan, you know, potentially being on the way out, Geno Smith having his leadership questioned, um, throughout the course of the season, where do you see Percy Harvin fitting into that locker room situation? Yeah, it's 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 hard to say, guys. You know, the, the Jets to me are are what they are at this point. They're one in six. Uh, I think you've got a GM that's that's desperate to kind of make a move right now to to shake up the locker room. Um, you know, you've got a head coach in Rex that I think is certainly feeling the pressure of of maybe this being kind of the last stretch run for him if they're unable to to figure it out and win some games. They they have so many deep issues in that team, you know, starting with the quarterback, starting with the offensive line, you know, the defense and the secondary and all the issues that they've had. 
you know, Percy Harvin, while he, he always has an upside and he's, he's always this guy that we talk about potential with him and his incredible speed and, you know, his home run ability, their problems are so deeper than that guy. I'm just not sure what kind of an impact he could have. Now, can he go out and make a couple of plays and help him win a few games? I mean, there's no doubt. You know, he's, he's electrified teams. He's, he's had some huge moments over his career, but to me, the bigger issue is who is their quarterback going to be long term? You know, what kind of player is Geno Smith? Does he have, you know, a response to, you know, to all this inconsistent play that we've seen from him and his, you know, his inability to really be the kind of leader that I think they were hoping that he'd become? Um, so Percy Harvin, you know, it's, it's a, it's to me just kind of a desperate move at this point by a desperate team. I, you know, hopefully they can figure it out, but, you know, one in six at this point, you know, who knows what, what, where they go from here. Well, Spear, I mean, you say the Jets are what they are at this point, but on the other side of the coin, I mean, are the Seahawks what they are at this point? I mean, they're 3-3. Three and three. It doesn't look like their prospects of making the playoffs are fantastic. Just lost to the Rams. I mean, is this is this concerning at all to you if you're a Seahawks fan? Well, sure, but, you know, this is the NFL, guys. I mean, how many times do we see a team win a Super Bowl and then come back and perform at a high level? You know, it's it's such a brutal schedule. It's such a brutal process to go through that. You know, then you throw in all the emotions of, of winning a title, having to refocus, you know, a shortened off season compared to most other teams. You know, it's it's just kind of a perfect storm that, that lines up against you. Um, you know, then they have this issue with Percy Harvin that I think uh, fractured that locker room a little bit. Um but you know, listen. It's you're three and three. You know, it's still early in the year. The pendulum swings so far in this league from week to week. If there's one thing I've learned covering the NFL the last couple of years, you know, it's never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it seems. And it's kind of an old, tired cliche, but it's so true in this sport more than any other league, more than the NBA, more than Major League Baseball, more than the NHL. It's such an emotional game, and the fans, I think, are emotional because of it. And sometimes we tend to overreact. So, you know, if you're a Seahawks fan, sure, you're concerned. But if they can somehow get into the playoffs with that home field advantage, there's not one team in the NFC that wants to go there for a playoff game. All right, Spiro, one more for you, and then we'll let you go. I'm curious, in the AFC, you look at the division leaders, New England, Baltimore, Indianapolis, Denver. Outside of them, um, which one of these teams do you think could make some noise and vault themselves into a playoff position, whether it be Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, uh, Buffalo, San Diego, Kansas City, which one? I would say Cincinnati and San Diego. Um, you know, we've had the chart where you had the Chargers, um, not this last week, obviously last night, but last Sunday, uh, the home game that they lost against Kansas City. And, you know, I know they've now lost a couple games in a row, but Phillip Rivers is, is playing at such a high level. You know, if they can figure it out, um, you know, if that defense can continue to play kind of over their heads like they have been, Chargers are going to be a pretty tough out. And, and Cincinnati, who we've had once, we'll have them again next week. The Bengals, to me, on paper, are as deep a team as there is in the league. I mean, you can make a good argument that that defense is as good as any other defense in the NFL. There have been weeks where they've underachieved a little bit, but um, Cincinnati and San Diego are probably my two teams. You know, in, in Indianapolis, obviously, 5-2. and two. I'm not sure if you mentioned them, but they're obviously a team that, that can be reckoned with with, uh, with Andrew Luck. But, again, you know, every year we're talking about teams at the Week 8, Week 9 mark, and four or five weeks later, it's a, it's almost a completely different conversation. So I think there, there's still so much that's going to unfold in this league, and that's the great part about the NFL. It's so hard to, to prognosticate and predict what teams are going to be in, in that driver's seat come playoff time because, as, we, as we've seen, it's not always how they start. It's which team gets hot 
right before the postseason. And, you know, whether it was the Giants a couple of years ago making their Super Bowl run or, or whoever else you want to put in that category, you know, it's, it's, you don't want to make your predictions too prematurely because as, as history has shown us, it's, it's all about which team gets hot at the right time. Well, Spiro Adidas, the voice of the NFL on CBS, you can catch him on Sunday at 425 calling Oakland and Cleveland, and he came from WFUV, of course. Spiro, really great to talk to you today. We miss you in New York, man, and uh, all the best. Thanks, Spiro. I miss you guys, too. Thanks, guys. Take care, man. Talk soon. And as always, we're filled in with what's going on with Kelly Coltis. Is it too little too late? The Jets acquired wide receiver Percy Harvin from Seattle right after their sixth loss in a row. Harvin brings talent to a lackluster group of wide receivers. He's quick, he can line up both in the slot and on the outside, and he has great big playability. Harvin can even return kicks as we saw in the Super Bowl, something the Jets have struggled with this season. Still, head coach Rex Ryan tells fans to temper their expectations. It's hard to expect a guy to come in and learn an entire offense. You know, we'll see, you know, where he's at and all that type of stuff. But, you know, we're going to use him. Uh, it's not, you know, to expect him to play 50 plays or something like that. That's, that, you know, that's probably unrealistic. But what else can Jets fans hope for? Their team sits at 1-6, dead last in the AFC. Yes, the Jets have been competitive in most of their games, but they can't seem to find a way to win them. Maybe Harvin could be that answer. So far, he seems to be enjoying his new organization. He's certainly saying the right things. I think I'm feeling great. The guys here, we, you know, we've been talking. Uh, I'm loving them so far. They're loving me. Um, I've been embraced uh, with, with open arms. Uh, and I'm just looking forward to making the most out of my opportunity. Still, there's a reason Seattle got rid of him. The Jets just hope they don't find out why this season because they need Harvin to be on top of his game right now, this Sunday, against the Bills. The Bills have a great wide receiver themselves in Sammy Watkins, and he's going to be a challenge for the Jets' secondary. The Jets need Harvin to step up right now and help this offense score points and keep Kyle Orton and the Bills off the field. Still, against my better judgment, I say Jets 23, Buffalo 20, because, I mean, the Jets really can't lose the rest of their games, can they? With the... I'm Kelly Coltis, WFUV Sports. And thank you for that, Kelly. Yeah, I mean, the the Jets make a good pickup with Percy Harvin. It happened um, just minutes after we recorded our podcast last week. Or I, I wasn't there, but just missed it. Um, I mean, you know, that's that's a good move for the Jets. They get to debut him this week, and man, he, he's a fast guy. The Jets need a, a wide receiver in a bad way, and and that helps out the rest of the offense as well. I mean, you've seen Decker, you've seen Jason Morrow trying to, to percolate a little bit, and now another guy there, another option uh, who they can look to, and, um, you know, that'll open doors up. I mean, you can't cover everyone. Right. I mean, an explosive player has the ability to make big plays, uh, will help in special teams too. I believe Rex Ryan said earlier in the week that he's going to get some reps returning punts at some point. So, yeah, definitely a great addition to this team. But like Kelly said in the report, you know, Seattle did trade him for a reason. You know, there were obviously reports that came out of dissent in the locker room. He has that reputation of kind of being a bad locker room guy and – the Jets, to me, aren't exactly the most stable of environments for him to come into. You know, you have a coach in Rex Ryan who's very likely on his way out the door. You have a quarterback in Geno Smith who has been inconsistent. 
Uh, you know, his leadership has been questioned at points during this season. You know, there are already a, quite a few issues there. You know, I just I I'm concerned as to you know how Percy Harvin fits into this because you know that there's the potential there for yet another issue in what's already kind of a delicate Jets locker room situation. I mean, they've had Walt Powell uh, returning kicks just to start where you started um, with the return game, and, and he's been all right. Um, I mean, I, I think he's actually shown himself to be one of, you know, he's been a legit return. I mean, he's fumbled the ball a couple times, but when he hasn't fumbled, he's been uh, effective. And, I mean, I'm not sure if, you know, obviously he's, he's not going to see the punt return reps. It'll be Percy Harvin. But I'm not so sure if a lot of these – problems are not being overblown a little bit because I, I am willing to bet that Russell Wilson has a little bit to do with what happened in Seattle. I, I'm not sure. buying the fact that um, you can go trash Percy Harvin after he's traded. I mean, you look at all the reactions from the players. Players were upset. Marshawn Lynch was not happy. I mean, these guys liked Percy Harvin. They wanted to play with them. You can say, okay, well, well, maybe there's a reason why he's bounced around two times, but, you know, and, and he has had problems and anger problems that's been documented and the gold Tate incident but look I mean the Jets are no stranger to this the Jets have done this before they went out got Braylon Edwards they got Plaxico Burris they know how to deal with these guys Percy Arvin's no different they can you know they are experienced in this and they will harness this into production and I think that he's a better teammate than he gets credit for Um, he knows a lot of he said one of his first interviews with the Jets he knows a lot of the guys there um, he's excited to be back with some of his, you know, the guys that he's met earlier in his career, and he is a guy that I don't think gets a fair rep here because I'm not so sure that Russell Wilson isn't to blame for a little bit of the locker room turmoil that we've seen in the last couple of years with different guys. Doesn't get along with Golden Tate, doesn't get along with Percy Harvin, just gets right. his way. They trade him. I, I, I think that he. And I speak with no basis here because I'm not an NFL reporter in these locker rooms, but I don't think that um, he was maybe a guy that was, okay, let's work with your anger problems. It doesn't seem, based on the two trades, that he was like, okay, let's work with you, like let's work with your attitude. He was just like, all right, I don't want to play with this guy. Get him out of here. Yeah, Seattle maybe jumped the gun a little bit in getting rid of him instead of trying to— Well, I mean, they were going to I mean, they were gonna cut him, so— Right. But, I mean, and— what it all comes back to is he's talented. You know, he can help you win on the football field. And the Jets certainly could use that, especially in the receiving core. And you know what? I think you're right. You know, I mean, they certainly need more weapons for Geno Smith. It certainly can't hurt him, especially as he's still trying to, you know, find his place here in the NFL and hold on to, you know, the, the Jets' starting job. So, you know what? To me, the talent, maybe it outweighs it. I mean, Geno Smith has a good arm. He- you know, one of the he hasn't been great on deep balls in his career, but Percy Arvin has not seen uh, a lot of deep balls. I think his average depth of target is like four yards or something like that. Uh, whereas with the Vikings, and yeah, that was with Brett Favre, mind you, <laughs> it was around nine or ten. So right. I do think that maybe the Jets get him more involved in a deep passing game. Now that they have Decker, they can throw outside Curley. Right. They have a couple. You know, so. I think that that's what they're going to aim to do. That would be what would be smart to do. I think they'll probably hand them the ball a bunch, end arounds. They they've traditionally loved doing that stuff with Curly, even and 
uh, some of their other speedy receivers they've had in the past. So I, I think that he fits in well. I think that they'll find a good place for him. And I think he gets some deep targets, and I think that's interesting because you might see some long touchdowns, some long completions, and those are not common with the Jets of new with the, the last 10, 15 years Jets. Right. Um, the last time I can remember an 80-yard 80, an 80 touchdown was Mark Sanchez throwing one to Braylon Edwards in the first half of, well, I think it was the AFC Championship game, the first year of Sanchez when they played the Colts. They were up at halftime. They lost. But that, I mean, that, I, that's how long it's been. I don't remember. I mean, these are not guys who are busting off long touchdown passes. So um, who knows? Maybe Percy Harvin changes that. Um, but I, I think that you can't go wrong with this move. They give up a mid-round pick. Smart move by the Jets. Yeah, and I mean, when we talk about the Jets, a lot of times we talk about how hard it is for them to get going in games and how they can get down you know, early at times, and then it's hard for them to catch up. You know, that's happened to them a couple times this season, game, like the Chicago game. A weapon like Percy Harvin, you know, especially when you can use him in so many different ways, you can get an explosive play here and there, and that can change the whole dynamic of a game when you have a player like that and you get a play like that in a certain instance. So Harvin, I think, can help them in that sense too. Jets have the Bills coming up 1 o'clock on Sunday. They don't have the Bills... Two of their starting running backs, uh, Fred Jackson and C.J. Spiller, who yeah, kind of share the workload. Yeah, now they go to Anthony Booby Dixon, and you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't see it happening on the ground with Dixon or Bryce Brown, uh, though. Sheldon Richardson um, came out and said that you know they're preparing no different than any other week, which you should say. Um, right. I I don't think they're going to be able to run, especially how stingy this Jets run defense has been, with a few exceptions this year. Um, and then, I mean, Kyle Orton running the show, passing. I, I think it's all about the offense in this game because I think yeah. the defense has no trouble limiting the Bills to 17 points. It's whether or not the Jets can score 17 points. I agree with you. I mean, to me, it's very concerning for the Bills to have all of that responsibility with the two running backs out fall on Kyle Orton. You know, because, I mean, is he a serviceable quarterback? Yes, but he is prone to mistakes, and especially against a Jets defense that's probably going to be able to limit them anyway. Turnovers are, tur- turnovers are just going to compound the problem, and I agree with you. I think the Jets need to find a way to put points on the board, you know, and just, I mean, it's going to be as simple as that. I have Jets 27-17 in this one. I haven't. Oh, I'm still struggling. I'm going to wait until we get to the picks. No, yeah, you got to make them now. I got to make it now. Mine. Just made mine. You got to make yours. Oh, Kelly, oh, Kelly said 23-20 Jets. Uh, I'm I'll, I'll go I'll go 24-20 Jets. I, I originally had the Bills, but you know what? I'm going to go with the Jets. I think the addition of Percy Harvin coupled with, you know, the the Bills' lack of ability to run the ball is gonna is gonna help the Jets. I don't think it'll be that week. close. I think the Jets are a better team than one and six. And even if it's even if they're a, what a three and three team, that's still good enough to beat the Bills without two of their running backs. So by te- by ten points. So don't I sleep on the Bills though. though I, you know, I I do, I do think the Jets are gonna win, but the I, Jets I will cover. Uh, they're three point favorites. I, they think they'll cover. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think the Bills will get you know their doors blown off in this game. All right, let's move it on to the Giants. And Christian O'Hara helps us out with that.
The New York football giants are going to have to hustle a lot harder after their bye week if they want to have any shot at making the playoffs. New York suffered another loss to an NFC East opponent this past Sunday, falling 31-21 to the Dallas Cowboys on the road. Big Blue had two turnovers on offense, both fumbles by tight end Larry Donnell, and could never gain any consistency in the run game. Eli Manning had another good performance, throwing three touchdowns and even rushing for 11 yards. Manning avoided throwing an interception for the third week in a row. However, the defense could not stop DeMarco Murray and the potent Dallas offense. Prince Mukamara did intercept Tony Romo in the second quarter. That led to an Eli touchdown pass to Daniel Fells on the ensuing drive. However, that would be Romo's only mistake of the day, as he threw for three touchdowns as well, including a pair to Gavin Escobar. The Giants simply could not make the plays on both sides of the ball that they needed to make to come up with a win. Inconsistency on both offense and defense is why New York has fallen to 3-4 and four on the season. Yet, there are some bright spots. Rookie Odell Beckham Jr. caught two touchdown passes to bring his total up to three in just three games this season. He appears to have good chemistry with Manning and is certainly not playing like a rookie. He is going to need to continue his stellar play because of the Victor Cruz injury. Here's what wide receivers coach Sean Ryan had to say about Beckham's performance so far. I said to Odell as well, you know, your, your rookie season is over now. You're not a rookie anymore. You know, congratulations, you're a vet. Coming out thereby, the G-Men face off against Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts on Monday Night Football at home. Both sides of the ball will need to start strong in order to have a chance against a top-tier team in the AFC. The schedule doesn't get any easier as New York has to travel to Seattle and battle the 49ers and Cowboys again at home. This four-game stretch could determine the fate of the Giants' season. There is no time to waste in figuring out what the team has to do in order to start winning football games. Big plays on both sides of the ball will certainly help. Until next week, with the Giants Report, I'm Christian O'Hara, WFUV Sports. Great stuff from Christian, as always. Yeah, no, no prediction, obviously, this time around because there's no game this week. But, yeah, the Giants, 3-4, uh, and four, not looking as good as it was a couple weeks ago. Now no Victor Cruz. Uh, good. It was a fun game to watch against Dallas. I did kind of get the feeling early on that the Giants really weren't in that. Um, a couple things to me that concern me with the Giants. You got Andre Williams averaging what a, a buck twenty-five a carry. I it's mean, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. Well, no, like he's averaging like two yards a carry right now. I mean, no. he's not on fire, but. Um, is that a buck forty-four. No, I mean, I, I was, let's let's yeah. just start over because I said per carry. I didn't say per game. Oh, I said, I'm sorry. My fault. That's yeah, okay. There are a couple things with the Giants. First off, their running attack. Andre Williams averaging, I don't know, like a buck twenty-five per carry at this point. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like two and a half yards. He is. They miss Rashad Jennings, which is a scary thing to say. The other thing, the wide receiver core, the receiving core. You know, Victor Cruz out now. Odell Beckham. I think he can step in there. Not as bigger. Not as big a believer in Ruben Randall. Although he didn't look bad against the uh, Dallas Cowboys, I don't know Larry Donnell. He's very hit or miss. All of a sudden, this offense doesn't look as good. Yeah, I mean they were so hot. You know those three wins in a row. Uh, you know after starting the season zero and two. You know everybody was talking about Eli Manning's back. You know he looks like the old Eli Manning. You know that he was finally getting adjusted to that West Coast offense, and now you're starting to see. You know, it break down a little bit, which happens over the course of a season with injuries and and whatnot. It's just, 
you know, you wonder if maybe this system is still a little too new f- at this point for the Giants to be able to overcome something like that. I mean, that's the thing. It's a new system. You can't expect these guys to master it in five weeks. I mean, it's going to take half a year, and at this point, you're there. You're at the halfway point. So maybe, I don't know, maybe going forward it looks like they have a better grasp, although, you know, it didn't look too bad for them uh, the weeks prior, I'm I'm not very sure what to think about the Giants right now. I mean, Eli wasn't bad. Three touchdowns, 21 and 33, 248 yards. It's really about that running attack. I mean, yeah. they averaged four yards a carry, but um, I mean, one of the I mean, it's kind of inflated because Eli had one for 11, Beckham had one for 13. Peyton Hillis was their best rusher. I mean, go to Peyton Hillis. I, I, Andre Williams, 18 carries for 51 yards. Look, I, I, I he's a rookie. I like him. I think he's got. Uh, you know, a future with the Giants or with some team, but I'm not so sure he's an every down back. I think maybe he's the third down back. He's a pass blocker. He's a goal line back. This guy is not a starting running back, no. especially right now. We're not sure what it'll be like in the future, but you can't start this guy right now if you're the Giants. I'm not saying you start Peyton Hillis either, because I don't like Peyton Hillis, but I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe, you know, you did start Peyton Hillis last year for some games. Maybe go to Michael Cox. I mean, I don't know what you can do at this point, but man, Andre Williams is just not getting it done. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be good as a change of pace type of back. He has shown, you know, flashes of brilliance here and there, but it's been in flashes, you know, like you said. He hasn't been able to do it consistently as in every down back. I mean, it's concerning because where do you go? You have no options in the running game. At least it appears that way. And with your receiving core a little bit banged up now, you know, you don't, you're not necessarily as confident about leaning on that as much. I mean, Eli Manning's playing well, yes, but, you know, you lose Victor Cruz, who, you know, whose production had been up early in the season. Um, you know, Donnell, like you said, you know, again, flashes of brilliance, but, you know, overall kind of spotty. You know, I mean, what do you do? Like, what can this offense do to get in a rhythm, and what can they lean on consistently? Yeah, there doesn't and, really seem to be anything there right now. And in wins this year, um, in giant wins this year, Andre Williams averaging 3.6 yards a carry. In losses, he's averaging 2.7. So, I mean, it shows when they when he runs the ball well, they play well. That You know, they win games. And right now, I mean, that that yards per carry averaged down to 3.1, and it's it's just pedestrian at this point. But, I mean, aside of that... Uh, the defense didn't look too good either. Um, you know, letting Escobar shred him up last week for three catches, sixty-five yards, three touchdown or uh, two touchdowns, excuse me. Des Bryant went all over him. I mean, but that's expected at this point. I I don't know. Yeah. I, I I I'm not a believer in the. I never really was a believer in the Giants this year. And a big game coming up for them too after the bye week with Indianapolis because that's going to be a litmus test for them. And then they got the Seahawks. They have a couple of games, you know, coming up after this bye week that are going to be really, really tough challenges. You said it. They host Indy, then they're on the road at Seattle, then, then they got to come back. San Fran and Dallas at home. They go to Jacksonville and Tennessee. There's a, there's a break. And but, I mean, but then the end of the end of the season. Look, I mean, even Washington at this point, they're hosting Washington. Go to St. Louis, host Philly. Those are uh, to me, those are three tough games. And you got three tough games at the end. You got four tough games coming up. You got a nice little two game break in the end with Jack, in the middle with Jacksonville and Tennessee. But man, I mean, you can see all of those being losses. I'm not saying they're going to be. It by no means do I think they're going to be all losses. But if you were picking them, though. Chances, I mean, chances are at least most got, of them would be. You got what eight games left? I mean, there's a good chance this team goes two and six the rest of the way out, finishes five and ten, or well, they can't finish five and ten. Uh, maybe 
Six and ten. And, yes, six and ten. I think there's a chance that this team could finish six and ten and go three and six the way up. I mean, that, that the division is also shaping up, at least at the top, to be pretty competitive. I mean, you have two one-loss teams right, in that, that's the thing. In that you're division. not winning that division. The wild card, no too, way. we were talking about before, parity in the NFC. A lot of teams that are, you know, Philly's second in that division, Green Bay and Detroit, even Chicago with the same record as the Giants. I mean, I, I mean, I think they will fault themselves ahead. Uh, I mean, you kind of skip over the South Division, but San Francisco, St. Louis is just two and four, but who knows? St. Yeah. Seattle's three and three. Arizona's five and one. Four decent teams in that NFC West. You got two or three pretty good ones in the North, and now two good ones on top of you in the NFC East. I don't think you're making the playoffs this year. I think we're we're seven games in, but I think we know that they're not making the playoffs. And that game last week was critical. Yeah, I mean that that might have been the you know the last opportunity that they had to. Which is those. weird because it's still week eight. Right. I mean it's still relatively. I mean it was their first game against Dallas of the season. You know, I, uh, I mean looking at that whole NFC. I mean just look at those. Right now, what would be the top two wildcard teams, Green Bay and Philadelphia? I mean, those are two teams that, you know, normally we're talking about being division winners. You know, they're not going anywhere. And if things, you know, continue to go the way they're going and Detroit, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily trust Detroit to keep on the pace that they're going. But if they do or if they fall off, but not to the point that, you know, they're a game below 500, you know, you have those two wildcard spots, you know, locked up or you know as the Giants you're certainly not yeah. in any place to get them you know I mean you still have San Francisco and Seattle who are battling themselves and maybe aren't as likely to get that that those spots real quick before we get to fantasy a couple notes around the league Colt McCoy uh he's starting for the Redskins on Monday night they're in the division I love it I love it so much McCoy 70 yards on his first you gotta uh, find something right to get, try to get yourself going um Look, Kirk Cousins, he hasn't been getting it done for them. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. Colt McCoy, um, you know, they kind of pushed that button in the second half. He pays dividends, and I mean, I I see no reason why Col- my Colt McCoy can't start the next what, four or five games. I mean, until RG three comes back, I don't either. I mean, you know, it's not like I mean, I think we can both agree that the Washington isn't going anywhere, right? Um, Might as well see what McCoy has. I mean, and right. even then, you know, you, you play him and. You already know Kirk Cousins has trade value. Right. I mean, people are going to want Kirk Cousins. You, you play McCoy now, you know, the next four or five games. He looks, does he, if he looks like Austin Davis, there's another guy you could trade. You Maybe you get a value. better return even off of him than yeah. you do for Kirk Cousins. Who I mean, knows? yeah. And that's, the, I mean, you, don't, you have no idea. Um, you know, when RG3 is coming back, um, I mean, maybe, you know, after the off week, I don't know. But like you said, they're not really going anywhere. Um, they have nothing to lose at this point, really. I mean, why not throw them out there? Speaking of something going somewhere, the Ray Rice appeal, um, Roger Goodell, now he's going to have to testify at that hearing. And I'm telling you, I've said it before, this guy is going to be on an NFL field this year. I don't think... I don't think the NFL has any leg to stand on with this Ray Rice case. He's appealing. The Players Association is appealing, and they are absolutely right. I don't think that the NFL can suspend him twice for the same thing. Um, I think everyone kind of sees right through that suspension. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, it's hilarious. I, I mean, look, now, there's a difference, I think, between on the field and, and you know, uh, a free agent, like he'll definitely be a free agent, I, I think, by the end of the year. I don't know if yeah. anyone will pick him up. Now that it's taken this long, 
so I will I'm, I think I'll back off from that statement that he'll be on the field, but I think that there is a good chance that he could come on the field. You think at the very least he'll be reinstated? I think some team uh, is going to, I mean, they're going to win this appeal, and it depends how long this appeal takes, right. but this appeal takes three, four weeks. A team needs a running back. The Bills need a running back. Right. I mean, who knows? I, I, there are a couple teams like that. I mean, and, you know, I've seen crazier things happen in the NFL. I, I think that, you know, I think that this has a great chance to turn it around because if for no the other NFL reason, was so wrong. Yeah, if for no other reason than just how, you know, crazy this has been with the NFL and the way they've, you know, in a lot of people's minds, my own included, mishandled this. Well, they just have the no. They had no right to suspend him twice. They, I mean, there's nothing. They have no basis to do that. So, right. you know, absolutely, that suspension I, I think is tossed or or shortened. I mean. And then there's the whole thing about the. I mean, first of all, the video shouldn't matter. We've, I mean, we've discussed this, but now there's now there's the issue of like who saw the video? Were they lying about seeing the video? But the point is, even if you see the video after you suspend him, you can't suspend him again. I mean, it's not like there's new evidence. It's like you knew what right. happened. You knew he beat up his girlfriend. I don't know, or his fiance. I don't know. That whole part of it was very, very reactionary. Yeah, but um, yeah, let's try to move on to happier things here. <laughs> and um, Demarco Murray. Seven straight hundred yard games, NFL record. Woot woot! Peyton Manning also last year or last week breaking the record all time touchdowns. Two great performances. Two guys that you hope you have on your fantasy team. Isn't that right, fantasy bumper? It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the best picks around the NFL? Plus, start them and sit them to help you win your league. I look Palmer in the house. What up? Hi, Kenny. What's going on, Pat? What's up, Luke? How you doing today? Very, very well. I'm all right, man. I have Peyton Manning on my fantasy team, so I'm doing ah. A-OK right now. <laughs> I actually just made a trade yesterday. I traded uh, Gates for uh, Shane Vereen and Jason Witten. Okay, nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of stacked on running back, so I didn't really need to do it. But... <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh... I mean, what do you think of Vereen, by the way, uh, as, as a guy who's he's hot out there? People are trading him. People are trading for him. Uh, new starter in New England, or maybe he's not. Uh, I mean, can he do what he did against the Jets all all year long? Well, that's the thing. Can he do what he did against the Jets? Absolutely. Uh, he's got athleticism. He's got skill, obviously. But when you're looking at the Pats, uh, they've got options. And whether it's Vereen or it's Edelman or it's uh, it's just even Gronk just getting the ball, uh, they've got so many weapons. People are high on Vereen because he's hot right now. Will he stay hot? Yes, maybe no. Who uh Nobody really knows. Uh, a lot of people are high on him right now. But, um, yeah, to answer your question, absolutely. The thing about Vereen is, like, he'll get his targets. The question is whether the big plays are going to be there. Well, I mean, you know, if you're in a PPR, it's... Right, that's, and that's what I was going to say. He's valuable in a PPR league, for sure. When you, Once you get out of that, you know, that's where maybe you run into some trouble, and he may not be as consistent for you. Exactly, exactly. So today, guys, I, I, uh, I've i got a little stardom sit going on. Uh, right. You may, may not like my picks. We'll see. But uh, first guy, got to start this week, Tony Romo. He's coming off a big Absolutely. game against yeah. the Giants. and He's, he's a, he's a must-start guy the rest of the way, I think. I think so, too. And we saw this last year when he put up 50 points that week against the Broncos. Uh, you know, he's he's got that going on. It's just, uh, you know, he started off this year. Not doing too well. Only got you know ten points, eleven points, which you don't want out of your quarterback. 
But, uh, again, big game against the Giants. He got three TDs, close to 300 yards last game. And he's had at least two touchdowns and over 200 yards every week except uh, every week since week three, excuse me. And especially, you know, people will say Cowboys have DeMarco Murray. He's leading the league in rushing. But he's going against the Redskins' D, and it doesn't even matter against the Redskins' D. If you're any defense in this league and you're going against the number one rusher, all you have your eyes on is stopping that number one rusher. And that's what's going to happen, I think. The Redskins aren't a passing defense either. They're running defense. They're going to stack the box. And it's going to it's gonna allow Tony Romo to open up and finally you know, hit, his, hit some of his targets other than Des Bryant and, and get the stats that everyone's been hoping for. Who else you got? Well, uh, sitting this week, I've got Matt Ryan. And he's on my fantasy team. Um, and people have been saying, you know, how come he's not doing well? He passed three weeks under 16 points. He still has Julio Jones. He's got Roddy White. What's going on? And not a lot of people know that he lost his fourth starting offensive lineman this week, Peter Collins, the center, for the season. Now, whenever you lose an offensive I didn't off- know that. Yeah. I when didn't I- either. Whenever you lose an That's offensive lineman. pay the lineman. big bucks. <laughs> Absolutely. Big bucks for big boys. Yeah. Um. Whenever you lose an off a starter uh, on the offensive line, it's a big deal. But to lose four, uh, it makes me think of when the Yankees lost four of their starting pitchers this this season. It's big. But it's another right. another uh, story for another time. Uh, but again, he's going against the Detroit D. Uh, they've got a very big pass rush, um, and uh, you know he's it's just not looking in his favor this week. Give me a start and a sit for the running back position, Luke. Starting, I've got a guy by the name of Jarek McKinnon. Oh. Now, he's the Vikings. Oh, man. Oh, man. Love that dude. <laughs> Vikings running back. He was third string coming into the season. Obviously, Adrian Peterson is out for the year. Uh, Matt Asiata had the starting role, but he lost to McKinnon. And why? Because Matt Asiata, he's a big guy. He's a plotter. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, he's a, a fast plotter. guy. He. Uh, <laughs> well, the thing about McKinnon, too, like you said, he's fat, but... I, I'm impressed by he's he had I think like 12 rushes with like three or less yards, but when he gets in space, he makes guys miss and he makes the most out of that. Absolutely, and he can kind of do it all except for the. I mean, he can do the power power run. You know, Coach Mike Zimmer told him this week, uh, "Hey, I want you to get three yards after contact average," and he averaged three and a half yards, and which is insane for an NFL statistic. And he's a very motivated guy. Again, he's a speedster, but he can catch the ball too. Uh, Matt Asiata is in the build of more of a fullback type of role. Um, but uh, he's going against Tampa Bay, which, again, favorable ma- favorable matchup. They've allowed – they're one of the worst teams against the run. So uh, start Jarek McKinnon, pick him up. He's not very highly owned if you, if you don't have him. Uh, he's going to be good this week. Now, sitting running back, this may surprise you because he's been awful this entire season – but Bishop Sankey, and I, I say Bishop Sankey. I had him for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's been bad this season. But the problem is, at this point in the season, we're starting to get into very thin at the running back position. Nobody really knows what to do. And Bishop Sankey was a high pick this year. Uh, he was a rookie. Nobody really knew what he was going to do. So people stashed him away. And uh, uh, he, you know, he's been on the bench. He's, he's starting to gather some momentum. He got eight points one week. Uh, uh, I think he got seven or nine the, the week before, but he's just not there enough where he's a valuable guy to start in the flex. You're better off starring a wide receiver or even a guy like uh, 
like Anthony Dixon or Bryce Brown. That's the thing. So many guys out there. I mean, I, I kind of disagree when you said thin. I mean, thin in the sense that a lot of guys are going down with injuries maybe, but, man, I mean, you look at the guys you can get out there even on a week-to-week basis now. This year, this week it was – they're not as good, but Denard Robinson, Trey Mason, and, uh, and, and Dixon and Brown. And, you know, there was also – I mean, people have been picking up Carlos Hyde and McKinnon a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these guys now that have starting jobs, and even guys like uh, uh, Darren McFadden was a free agent in my league, and I ended up I ended up drop him because I have like I have Mason Forte, McKinnon, and Frank Gore. But I mean, you know, there are a lot of guys out there. Yeah, there are. And I, why Sankey? Why do you have to go with Sankey? I, that's the point. I, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a tough call, uh, but. Again, I just I, I still think that a lot of people still have him on his, on their team, and uh, you know it's you're better off going with another guy. Cut, I mean, if, if you have to cut bait, that's what I've been, that's my motto. That's been my motto. I've been cutting people. I cut Crabtree. Yeah. I had you, you, sometimes you just got to do it. Cut ball. Had to do it. Gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, moving on to wide receivers. This week I've got Sammy Watkins. If you got him, start him. He's got up. Uh, he's got high point potential. That uh, secondary, and and more so, he's got Kyle Oren throwing to him. And Kyle Oren shaved his mustache. He's all business. <laughs> and again, he scored twenty four points last week. He's rookie of the year candidate. He's just purely based on his athleticism. I think he's going to have a great week. Uh, sitting, Tory Smith. Uh, Toy Smith, he's had a few good weeks, but again, he's that type of guy. We've been waiting to see, like, is he going to have an awesome week this week? He's been under expectations based on his draft slot. Uh, the Bengals, they've been uh, performing very poorly as a defense, but in fantasy wise, but they've only allowed three receiving touchdowns all year. And they, they've still got that staunch pass defense. And uh, I would sit Toy Smith this week. How about those tight ends, though? Those tight ends, well, seems like we've been saying this every week. Jason Witten, uh, you got to sit him if you haven't. And the reason why isn't because we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and he hasn't been getting his, his carries, his volume. But, it's, and we saw this last week, their second tight end, Gavin Escobar, he's he's shown his flashes and people are covering Witten. What they're not doing is they're not covering uh, what they're doing is they're not covering Gavin Escobar because nobody really knows what he's going to do, and he just always seems to find his way to be open. Um, since, uh, to start this week, I've got Zach Ertz on Philly. He, uh, he had a good week two weeks ago. They had their bye week last week. And going in that, he had a big 10-point game as opposed to his projections, which were about two or three points. And... Chip Kelly has mentioned a couple times in his press conferences over the past couple of weeks he wants to work Mr. Ertz in uh, more into the offense. Should and, I add Zach Ertz right this second for Jason Witten? Ooh, ooh. He's a free agent. You would cut Jason him. Witten. Yeah. Ooh. I just because I just traded Gates. I have Jordan Cameron. Okay. Um, and you traded Gates. Ooh. I mean, now Ertz, Ertz is sitting right there. I, you know? I don't know if it's worth it to cut him. Uh, I mean, yeah. I honestly, I think Witten does it though. I think Witten turns it around. And that's the thing; he's he's so he, he's going to have a great game. He's a proven commodity. But if you're in the position where you need a win, this you absolutely. I don't need a win. I mean, okay. I'm I'm gonna get the win. I'm I'm gonna get the win. <laughs> I'm gonna win. Pretty confident. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, it, it, yeah. If you're in that position, I would say keep, hold on to Witten. You know, he could be a guy who... He's going to have that big game eventually. You know? He is, and he may become hot as in the last few weeks. 
Who knows? Um, and then lastly, but not least, defenses. Uh, I've got the Browns defense against Oakland. They've been sneaky this year. They've had a solid games, eight points uh, past few weeks. Uh, favorable matchup against Oakland. Uh, Tayshawn Gibson's leading the league in picks. Uh, they're solid defense if you're if you're not too sure if your D is on a bye. And lastly, the Pats D, I'm going to sit them this week. They're going against the Bears offense, which they've had problems, but you can't count Jay Cutler, Matt Forte, Alshon Jeffrey, Martellus Bennett, Brandon Marshall out. I think they turn around and give uh, New England a battle this week. Real quick, week. New England will give up yards yeah. in that game. Along those same lines, Jeffrey, Floyd, Kelvin Benjamin, which two do you start? Jeffrey and Kelvin Benjamin. Really? Starting sit, over Michael Floyd? I sit Michael Floyd because Carson Palmer, Life Fitzgerald has been itching for a good game. See, but Carson Palmer and Michael Floyd have been doing well together. That's, That's true. That's true. I'll know. give you that. Um, it's but, a, but it's a very tough call. Yeah, and I sit, I mean, Cal, Alshon Jeffrey's going to have a good game nonetheless, and Kelvin Benjamin, other than Greg Olson, he's Cam Newton's favorite target. Yeah. And I think Cam Newton especially takes it over this week and uh, shows Seattle who's boss. All right, let's go on to Denard Pickney. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. I'm sorry, I, I reused that pun. I've already used that pun before. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go around in a circle and pick. Uh, you did not get your Buffalo, New, New York pick in. Buffalo, like New did. York? Uh, what do you have? Well... As I said earlier, Kyle Oren shaved his mustache. He's all business. I'm riding the Oren train as long as I can. Uh, let's go in the I'm back here. Bills. Let's Bills. go in the back okay, here. And get... I'm going to go with the Jets, which I can't believe I'm saying that, but I just feel at home how competitive they've been. I think they can get it done. I have to disagree. I'm going with the Bills. All right. Alicia going with the Bills. I, I kind of like it, honestly. I think that I think the Jets are prone to their loss, but I think they'll win. Uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati, uh, a couple of big AFC North games this week. Baltimore and Cincinnati is the first one of those. Boy, I can't start with this. Pat Burns, you got to start. I am high on Baltimore, and I am down on Cincinnati. Give me Baltimore. I think they're going to go on to win this division. Luke. Baltimore, Steve Smith's going to uh, have a great game. All right, I'm going to go with Cincinnati in this game because Joe Flacco is not elite. Let's get the backs picks. I'm going to agree with Pat and Luke. I'm going with the Ravens. Yeah, Kenny, you're going to be all by yourself on this one because I got Baltimore too. That's how I like it. Philadelphia and Arizona, two great records. And this is going to be a test of which one is for real. Man, uh, I got to go with Arizona. I'm going to go with Arizona in this game. Yeah, I'm going to go Arizona at home. Hates me to say this, but fly, Eagles, fly. Okay, I'm taking Philly because I just think all around they're a better team than Arizona is. Arizona's defense ranks towards the bottom of the league, and who is their quarterback? So let's Carson go Palmer. Philly. Let's go. Let's go Cardinals. I'm going with Philly as well. All right, let's go Cardinals. I, I love this. Uh, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh. We were talking about this before. Uh, pivotal for both sides. If Pittsburgh wants to come back into this playoff race, they need this game. It is in Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, I hate you, Andrew Luck. I'm going with the Steelers. Normally I take the home team in games like this, but I still am not entirely sold on Pittsburgh. I like Indy. I like what they're doing this year. I think they're going to make some noise uh, come playoff time. I'll take Indianapolis. They just seem amateur to me, Luke Palmer. 
Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh, as you said, Kenny, they need this win. The terrible towels are coming out, and they're going to be happy this week. It looked good last week, too. Let's go in the back. Colts back here for me. I love Andrew Luck. So I'm going Colts, and they're the better all-around team anyway. Uh, Pittsburgh looked really good last week. I don't know. I, it's something about that game. Uh, Seattle and Carolina finishing up four upsets. Uh, man. It's another hard one. I, I know, you know what? I think, I think I'm going to have different picks than everyone else um, on, in this segment because I'm going with the Carolina Panthers here. I think Cam Newton, good week a couple weeks ago. Last week wasn't bad. He's running the ball now. I like Carolina. I'm going to go Seattle. I think, you know, I think they're a good enough team where they, you know, turn it around. You know, that loss to uh, St. Louis last week I think will wake them up. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going with Carolina. It's across the, the U.S. This is, Seattle's been slumping, and uh, Carolina's going to turn it around, I think. In the back? You guys are not alone. I'm going with the Panthers as well. i got to go with the Seahawks. I don't think Carolina's been that great this season, and I think Seattle has a good opportunity to get things back on track. All right, upset time, and this is one I'm loving. Uh, it's a six-point spread, but i got to take the Bears over the Patriots. Good one. Um, I'm gonna ride St. Louis. I think they're they got some momentum from that win against Seattle last week. I'll take them on the road. I like that one over Kansas City. I'm going Green Bay over New Orleans in the, in the Superdome. Uh, Low Aaron Rodgers discount double check match. That is true because the Saints are favored in that game somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Guys in the back. I'm going with the Rams as well. I'm going really out on a limb, guys. I like Colt McCoy returning to Texas, so I'm going to pick the Redskins. Why not? A 10-point spread. I, don't, I certainly don't think that they'll cover, but maybe they'll win. Ah, not a bad pick. All right. That about does it for the pick segment. God, I'm going to miss this music. Uh, as the, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll have to fire it up again at the when I have karaoke tonight. Um, all right. Pat Burns, anything else from you? Nope. Um, looking forward to the week. Like we said to open the show, a lot of really interesting games this week that could really start to shape the rest of the year. All right. Thanks to Luke Palmer on the fantasy football with Shamontanero and Terrace Sandusky in the back. That's Pat Burns. I'm Kenny Ducey. I bought a Colt McCoy jersey last year for Halloween, and I'm going to wear it. See you next week. <laughs> This has been One-on-One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.